You are listening to the Green Industry Perspectives podcast presented by Single Ops, a podcast created for green industry professionals looking for best practices, tactics, and tips in running their tree care or landscape business. All right, everyone, welcome back to Green Industry Perspectives. My name's Ty Deemer, and I'm your host. Um, we've got a great episode planned for you today. Um, we have Wade Martin on the show. Wade is the president of Martin Landscape. And we're going to talk a lot about just his business and the things that they're facing right now and also providing some tips from his experience. Wade, welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here, Ty. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Um, so, Wade, we like to kick off every episode with the same question to just provide value to the audience right away. And it's pretty straightforward. And your experience with Martin Landscape or your career in the landscape space as a whole, what do you feel like are the top two to three things or common threads that have led to your team's success? Sure, Ty. That's pretty simple for us. Um, number one, we do what we say we're going to do. Um, we don't overpromise and underdeliver. Um, we're very upfront, honest with our clients. That starts with me as being a strong leader and goes all the way down through my management team. Uh, number two, we take care of our team. We definitely care about our team. Uh, strong leadership, training, um, lots of rewarding, you know, rewards, uh, creating opportunities. Um, number three would be maintain and implement the latest practices, technology, and equipment. Um, all stars don't want to work with broken down equipment. Um, even if it's something old, we're maintaining it so it's uh, in the best shape possible. Yeah. And we're going to dive into those threads as a whole, but I love how you just started that off because one of the things that's unique to me about you and when I first came across the work you all were doing is your Instagram kind of profile actually says career builder um, in the green industry. Um, and I think that's going to be a huge portion of what we talk about today because I think that's definitely a really unique way of addressing some of the issues that the industry as a whole is facing and couldn't be more aligned with you there. So Wade, That's before right. we kind of dive into all of the topics that we're going to talk about, I like for the audience to have a background of who's on the show and why they're here. Um, so let's start with you. Talk to us through how you really found your your place in the green industry and at Martin Landscape. And then we can talk about Martin Landscape as a whole later on. Sure. So uh, I started when I was 14 years old. Let me start off first by saying my work ethic comes from my mother and my father. Um, they taught me at a young age the value of a dollar. Um, I think that's what people today are missing. No matter what industry they're in, they don't know the value of a dollar. They haven't been taught at a young age. Well, I was taught at a young age. Um, I got into it at 14 years old, cutting neighborhood lawns with a buddy of mine. Um, we were outside. It was hot. People called me crazy. What are you doing, man? That's crazy. My friends were going to the pool, doing things like that summer. Uh, but when we went to go get a snack at the gas station, I always had cash. So I learned that value of that dollar. And I was buying my friends Gatorade and a Snickers bar because I had the money because, hey, they made fun of me. I was cutting grass. Um, and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed making that, making that dollar. Um, as I went through and got into high school, um, I worked for a larger company and I learned the good, the bad and the ugly. And I realized that there was more to cut and grass. I learned that it's a people business and we sell labor is what we do. Um, 
but I learned a lot from the larger company I worked for, got a lot of experience, but I, I felt like I wanted to do something different. Um, that's how I evolved and started Martin Landscape in 2004. Um, I felt like you were either a number because the company was so big, or I felt like you were just there to, to make the owner to make the owner money, and he didn't care about them. He called them employees. We don't call anybody at Martin Landscape an employee. They're team members. You're part of a team. Um, our core values are huge here, passion, pride, teamwork, and relationships. Uh, we started that, you know, because I wanted to do something different. I didn't want to be like every other landscape uh, company. I want to be a landscape professional. Um, so I opened up in 2004, um, started with a pickup truck and a push mower. Um, really, it's, uh, it was tough. I'll be honest with you. It was very tough. Getting the work was not tough, but getting it done was really tough. Ended up working seven days a week. Uh, started doing irrigation as well. And before you know it, we started growing, had our first uh, team member and just grew from there. And, um, you know, really just I have a passion for what I do. I think we're, we're special people. You're either cut out for it or you're not. Um, I'm a strong believer on that. You're either cut out or not because, you know, people look at me, they look down on me at times. and I just laugh. I'm like, yeah, man, this is what I do. Um, but we're, we're either cut out for it or you're not. And uh, I happen yeah. to be. I love that. So where are we now from starting in 2004 with a pickup truck and a mower? Talk to us about Martin Landscape, where you all are located, what services you're offering, um, and if you're comfortable sharing it, how big's your team and what revenues are you all accomplishing right now? Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to finish out between six and eight million dollars a year. I know that's a big number, but we have some uh, large landscape construction projects that are kind of we don't know if we're going to get to them the end of this year, or the beginning of next year. So that's why that number is a little, little off. So we're, we're looking at that. Uh, we're around 75 uh, to 100 uh, team members right now. We really need 100. We're about 75 right now as we grow. Uh, we've got two branches. We have a corporate branch in Port Royal, South Carolina. And then we have another branch in Hardyville, South Carolina, that serves our Georgia market. Um, so we're going, we're going in two different directions. We'd like to have a third branch in the next couple of years. Um, and we're working on that now, trying to implement some new things and, and go from there. So, Ty, the services that we offer, we're a commercial lawn maintenance provider. We like to make our property managers less work as possible for them and do a strong job. Um, we do irrigation repair, irrigation installation work, uh, landscape construction, and landscape enhancement. Um, our enhancement work is going into a, a residence and we'll rip out an entire front yard and, and make it look good because it's, you know, dated or they want to change things like that. Uh, we also do street sweeping. Um, it was a sister company of ours for many years, and we have now merged that into Martin Landscape. Um, it's a good, a good thing to add on for our commercial lawn maintenance clients. So we're not blowing all over cars and things like that. We're vacuuming it up in the middle of the night. Um, so that's been, been really good. So yeah, that's just a few of our services we offer. Um, Floriculture as well is big for us. We have a floriculturalist. And I think, um, you know, we pride ourselves in not wearing too many hats. You know, if they're doing floriculture, they're doing floriculture and they're really good at it. If they're mm -hmm. doing irrigation, they're doing irrigation and they're really good at it. Yeah, I love that. And I want to kind of ask a question about, you know, I think your, your story is pretty unique just in the fact starting from 2004, growing your business just like that well over the last period of time. Talk to me about some of the other people that are involved with your business. Like what are some of the key hires over the years that are maybe on your leadership team now? What, what's your kind of org structure look like there? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, I look at my organizational chart probably more than most people do, mm-hmm. uh, just because we're always growing, we're always changing, we're always evolving. Things are just, you know, you never know where you're going next. And if you land a big contract, you've got to be prepared. But you also have to be prepared. If you lose a contract, you know where you've got to fall back and, and pick up the pieces. Um, so some of my major hires recently, I have a full uh, controller on staff who handles all of our, you know, paying the bills, running our running our numbers, things like that. So I have a upfront. I know those numbers immediately. That's been a big hire for us. Um, the next big hire we have is we have an HR director. You know, problem I hear from my uh, competitors or people that I mentor or my mentors labor. And the best advice that was given to me is, yeah, you're having a problem with labor. What are you doing about it? How much time are you spending on that? And it made so much sense and something clicked on me. I go, we don't even have an HR director. Here we are complaining about labor. Why do we not have someone who's working on it every day? Um, also, the way our company is is structured, I have one uh, guy who's our ops manager who's in charge of all of our service. So he handles irrigation service department, floriculture, and all of our lawn maintenance. And then we have a landscape construction enhancement division where we have one guy that oversees all that. So breaking down those branches has helped extremely well. Cool. Yeah, I love any... We actually had a podcast episode go out last week where we talked to a guy and he said the exact same thing as you. Hiring an HR manager was one of the biggest like differentiators in his market to be able to go out and get new employees because across the board, not just in the green industry, but in some adjacent spaces like construction or HVAC and all those areas, a lot of those companies aren't hiring like HR people to attract new talent. And you, it's a full-time job. Um, and to do it yes, well, it you is. really do need somebody in that space. And, and if I can touch on that a little bit, Ty, I have found out that it's not just the recruiting, it's the retention. Mm-hmm. Because if, if you spent that much time training someone that came into your company with no experience and you have trained them and you have got them doing things the Martin way, you got to hold on to them. You know, that's one thing my HR director has brought to the table. We, we celebrate milestones. We celebrate their birthdays. Um, we have a safety campaign going on now. Well, yeah, we were always big on safety, but now we have a safety campaign where they can get something out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we have these things called culture coins that are poker chips that have a dollar value on them. They can buy paid time off. Everybody loves a day off. How about have a day off that's paid for? Um, and they can buy Martin apparel. They, there's just tons of things. We're trying to be very creative in what we do, but that retention is huge for us. So it's not just getting that the new hires. It's, it's retaining who you have and taking care yeah. of the team. For sure. So let's kind of dive into that because we mentioned at the top of the show, like it's definitely something you believe in to be able to go out and say, Hey, like what does Wade consider himself as? And it sounds like you consider yourself someone who is a career builder um, for people in this green, in the green industry and specifically people who want to be professional about it. Where did that kind of inspiration come from for you over time? And then um, like, what does it look like to actually live that out day to day for you and your business? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like I told you before, people look at a landscaper. That's what they call us a landscaper. We don't consider ourselves that. We consider ourselves a landscape professional. Um, we're a very professional company. We just happen to do landscape. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, going out, being a career builder, it's a lot more than just giving someone a truck, giving them a good salary and letting them go out. They got to have a good leadership. And I feel like what we do and what we provide here, not just for me, but leadership, um, it starts with me. 
and I'll take a lot of blame on things that happen and things that don't get done. Um, I don't think anyone needs to play, pay a, play a blame game, but in the same token, um, you know, you've got to take accountability. People mm-hmm. have to be accountable for what they're doing every day. Um, so yeah, getting on that, um, I physically go out to the job site, shake my guy's hands, fist pump them, tell them good job. Um, when they're doing something that's not correct, instead of screaming and yelling, like I've seen owners do on a job site, we just correct it. We talk about it. What could we have done? I put the ball in their court. Uh, and then I do a lot of training. Um, you know, we're going to hit six to $8 million in sales this year, but I'm as the owner, I'm still training. I know guys that are smaller than me that don't know all their team members' names. Um, I do. I know their names. We keep uh, frozen popsicles in freezers at both of our branches. We keep it stocked. Come mm-hmm. grab one when they're, you know, leaving out in the morning. Grab one in the evening. Um, you know, so I think what differentiates us from the other, you know, from the competitors um, is I don't look at other companies as a competitor. Our competitor is ourselves. We are we're very hard, and our competitor is ourselves. Yeah, I love what you said there too about the leadership aspect of it because great leaders understand that like they just have to have ownership of pretty much everything. So that translates down to other people in your business. Um, and I love the principle behind that. There's a really good book called Extreme Ownership um, by yep. a, a former U.S. Navy SEAL <laughs> that he just talks about um, what it looks like to translate any type of failure to, to, to a business or in battle for his case. And you just have to own everything. How do you feel like you've been able to translate that to people like in your org, like as things go down from you and you, the other leaders in your business to so that you feel like they're able to pick that up from you? Or is that kind of a battle you have to deal with sometimes? I think that's part of the leadership from being a business owner. I think, yes, they pick some of it up for me. Uh, but yes, they want accountability. Uh, we make mm-hmm. our management team read a book called Winning with Accountability. I picked it up from a consultant years ago, um, and it was it's a really good book. I make my management team run it, uh, read it, and just live by it. You know, if you tell somebody you're going to do it and you're going to, you know, put a date on it, put a stamp on it, I need it this Friday by noon. Um, it's not that you're being firm. You're holding them accountable, mm-hmm. and they're going to get it done. Um, I learned that from a consultant. I give him the credit on it. He, he helped me through a lot of, a lot of changes and transitions and helped us get to the next level by things like that. Yeah. That's, I like that you bring up the consultant though. Cause I think there's a lot of times when I talk to owners on this podcast specifically, you know, it's all about training your team and pouring into your team and, and leading them, giving them resources as someone who literally started a business from day one and seen it's grown as that leader, how do you think about like provide finding resources for yourself to learn and for yourself to grow? What's been kind of some lessons learned or maybe things you've picked up on over the years? Well, if I could give anybody advice, cause I do it every day. I have guys that are starting either a power washing company or a landscape company or something. I wish I would have had the same advice that I give to people today. Um, Find someone who is a leader in your industry, reach out to them and get the advice before you go out and start making a bunch of mistakes. I've made a bunch of mistakes in my career. You know, when I opened in 2004, we started rolling. I have gone through the ups and the downs and we could have, we could have eliminated a lot of stuff by a simple phone call and sitting down with somebody once a month and just kind of leading you. Mm -hmm. Um, As you get, as you get your business up and rolling, Hire a consultant, hire a consultant to help you put the systems in place. 
we did that a few years ago and I got to tell you, it helps. It works. Um, lots of credit to the consultant that helped me and, uh, and got us to the next level. And then getting in with your peers, getting in with the larger companies, um, learn things from smaller companies. It doesn't matter the size of your company. You can pick up little nuggets from small companies and large companies. It really doesn't matter. So yeah, my advice is get help early on in your career. If I had to start it all over, I would have a mentor immediately, someone who I could pick up the phone and, and call. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, those milestones you might pick up a big contract and you're excited about it. You need someone to share that with. Mm-hmm. Um, but also when you, when you don't know something, pick up the phone and ask them, Hey, what do I do? Cause nine times out of 10, they have been there. They've been down that road. So save that money, man, get that advice from somebody that's already been there and done that. Especially too, with this industry, I feel like it's as a whole, uh, a group of people that like to help each other, especially when you talk about the category of like landscape professional that you've been referencing. I, I've at least my perception of it is everyone's always very willing to help one another or, or at least talk through problems with each other. So you, you can just ask, and I'm sure there'll be people that will, will be supportive. That's right. That's exactly right. And also, you know, join in a, an association for your industry, join that association, mm-hmm. you know, get as much information as you can, not only for yourself, but for your team, you know, HR departments or as your company grows and gets to the next level, that stuff's out there. Use those resources. And I would also say, read, you know, read books, but read books that aren't just for your industry, because like I said before, we're a professional company. We just happen to do landscape, but Mm -hmm. our industry is, you know, pretty much the same when it comes to recruiting and retention and things like that. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a really unique point because there are some aspects of the industry that with hiring in this space, you can't really replicate what it looks like to hire as like a software company. And there's a very unique model of what it looks like to hire in this business and a a set of challenges, but also like on the business growth side or the way you market your business, I've been seeing over the last couple of years, like more and more landscape companies and tree care companies are just innovating in how they bring in that new business. And they're just following models from outside the space. So I love that call out because lots of times people just want to find the gold standard of what someone's doing in the green industry. But there's you're, it's a business and you can implement non-traditional right. green industry practices to grow. That's correct. You know, social media is, is huge. I never thought it was. And uh, I kind of laughed at people as it started going out. I'm, I'm old school, pen and paper. And uh, we have a marketing director now. I didn't realize we'd get as much work from the internet as we get. I mean, we're getting five to six leads a day from our website, just going in um, social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, just putting little bits and pieces, but it's not just work. It's recruiting. You know, it's helped us recruit people from there. Um, it, it's helped do a lot of different things, get new vendors, just a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. So social media is bigger than what most people, you know, think. Yeah. And I've kind of picked up on that with even your personal LinkedIn. And you mentioned having like a marketing manager, or a marketing director on your team. What kind of led you to kind of decide, hey, this is an investment we're willing to make in our business? Because that is something where you talk to a lot of people and they probably just have their office manager maybe posting a few times a week or maybe they're doing it themselves what led you to make that call we had our office manager doing it when she could and had time and we didn't understand all the analytics that went with it Mm um number one number two we had some phenomenal pictures done and i'm like man these pictures look good and i started thinking about it and i was like 
that's because we hired a professional photographer. Well, I don't have mm-hmm. my, my office manager's an office manager. She's not a social media. She's not a marketing person. Yeah. So I kind of, I simplified it and I went, uh, why are we asking someone who doesn't like to do this and doesn't have the time to do this to do it? So that's really what led us uh, to that. Yeah, that's such a good point too, because it is really one of those things. You either want to do it or you don't want to do it. Like it's either how your brain works or you don't. And just that's when you talk about resources and how you allocate them, you just pay for what you get every step of the way. If you try to save money on a videographer and have someone that doesn't have a professional background in doing it, you're going to get a subpar result. If you pay the extra couple grand and have someone that's a professional that knows how to do it, you're going to have a video or pictures that you're proud to share with everyone in your network at all. It all goes hand in hand. Yeah, that's exactly right. And Ty, just to kind of touch on this and move to the next, this is kind of move us into something else. Um, so you asked about the marketing director and what made us make that decision. The other thing that made us make the, the jump and get one is we started measuring how many phone calls and where they were coming from, was it coming mm-hmm. from the internet. And we found a trend where, okay, this is all coming from our social media. This is coming from Instagram. This is coming from Facebook. And this is coming from our internet. So we started seeing that trend and I went, wow. So it's not the people just calling the office or seeing the truck anymore. They're actually online. They're actually researching you. So that mm-hmm. led us to hiring that marketing director. Um, we, we measure everything. So yeah. that was a little bit of advice I wanted to make sure I gave as well. I don't know if we're going in that next or what. Yeah, we can definitely do that. So when we talked off air a few weeks ago or, or maybe last week, one of the things that you mentioned was you had made a shift at some point in your mind as a business owner of like, being like, look, like we have to make data-driven decisions. We've got to know the metrics behind what we're doing and then really implement those in our decision-making process. So I would love for you to share kind of like broad picture, that transition of what it looked like. Cause it's very rare for a company to start at that point. Right. When you start, yeah. it's because you like doing the work, right? Like you enjoy it and you enjoy the end result of the dollar. But then as you start to grow, you can get to the point where you're just trugging along and not even kind of looking up to understand where your advantages are. So I'd love for you to share what that progression looked like for you. Um, and then we sure. can dive into some of what you track as well. Sure. I told you I'd tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I'm going to tell you some of the bad here. So when I started the company in 2004 and I'd get a lawn maintenance, uh, I have to go out and give lawn maintenance quote. I literally had, I was so busy. I'd ride by the job and I'd say, yeah, I'll take us about an hour. And I just put an hourly rate on it and say, here you go. Divide this by that. Boom, boom, boom. Wouldn't measure anything. Wouldn't look at anything. Didn't really see the importance of it. I was making money because it was just me. As the company grew and evolved, remember how I told you, you get a mentor. I got a mentor. like, how are you doing it? And I kind of got made fun of a little bit and I told him, um, but I was honest with myself. We'd go to a big bid and the numbers would be all over the place. And I was like, do these guys really know their numbers? Um, they don't, they really don't know their numbers. So we started measuring, we measure everything. When we go to a, you know, a commercial property, we're measuring um, linear foot of edging, um, acres per hour we can cut with our mower, what mower is going to be cutting it. That way it streamlines and everybody in your company can bid the same property and you will be within dollars and cents. So, you know, it doesn't matter who bids it in your company. Um, making that jump was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, making that jump has done nothing but help us make better business decisions. I'm not going to go out and buy a $65,000 box truck and all this new equipment if we've underbid a property. Um, we make sure we know what our margins are and how to get to that margin, because we know how long it takes someone to string trim, you know, 300 feet of 
a hard surface or, you know, soft trimming or, you know, how many shrubs we have, fertilization. So now when we go out, we measure everything. The more data we put in the front end, the easier our job is maintaining that property. So if that client calls in and needs a mulch application, we know exactly how much mulch it is. We get them an estimate out faster. They sign off on it faster. Um, and our sales go up. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, what does that look like for you all in terms of how profitable your business is? I, I think like the one thing it, it was said on our last episode where, you know, you get to a million in revenue by saying yes, but then you get to 10 million by saying no. Um, that was, that was a great little sound bite from our last episode, but a lot of that goes into understanding what work is good for you and your business. So how is kind of those data-driven decisions changed, how you think about how you price work or even what work you're, you're saying yes to? Yeah, sure, Ty. Um, past, present, and future. I think nine times out of 10, contractors are not looking at past jobs. They're done with them and they're moving on, whether it's landscape construction, landscape enhancement, or landscape maintenance that maybe they lost or maybe they still do. We look at that data, past, present, and future, to make our margins, we look at those weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a software program that keeps track of all this data, and we, you know, we look at it. I can look at my dashboard. I can pull up a say it's a landscape construction job. I can look at the labor that went into it. I can see if we hit that profit margin, whether we're super high or super low on it. So we can say, okay, what did we do good here? What did we do bad here? Mm-hmm. What are we What are we going to do going forward on the next job? Um, you know, that's how your past, present, future, we look at all of that. Um, I feel like that helps us make a lot better business decisions. Um, and I'll also share my numbers with all our account managers, operations managers. We, we share our numbers. We look at them. Uh, we look at them weekly. Um, and we're, we know where we're at at all times. Cool. What, what does that look like for you to share the different metrics of the business with your team? Is that set up into like a weekly meeting where you all go in and check the progress on certain things? Because that's one thing that I'm glad you mentioned, because I feel like there are a lot of owners that care about numbers. You know, they've worked with a consultant, the consultants yep. told them like, Hey, this matters for you. Um, it's your business. You need to be on top of that. But how do you kind of get the buy-in or the inclusion from your team on the different things you're tracking? Yeah, that's great. Um, so we have dashboards in our software and if you're an account manager and you're running, um, I've got a couple of account managers out of my Fort Royal office. Um, they run their department on their dashboard. They're not looking at everything. They're looking at what they have sold, what they maintain. And we pay out a profit share on their enhancements and what they've sold and how they paid. Our profit share is off the net operating income. Um, my guys know and girls know where their numbers need to be because we've trained them and we've, we've led them to what they do. And they take a lot of ownership in that. That's that accountability aspect. They want mm-hmm. to know where they're at. At the end of the day, it's a game. They're measuring it. They're having fun. They're joking with each other and they're looking, Hey, my bonus is going to be this. And they're, it's a game. They're looking at it. They're having fun with it. It takes a lot off of me as a business owner to know that I have a team that strong that is backing me as we go forward. Yeah. That's really cool. Speaking of like your account managers and your sales team, how like closely do you track, you know, your, your, close rates with the different deals that you're, you're, you're bidding. And does that like go into how you think about how you're pricing things out? Cause I know you're in a pretty competitive market. There's a 
a good bit of companies yeah. in your area. And I'm sure you're, you're trying to find what the line is in all of these different categories. If you're underbidding or overbidding, talk to me through how you work through your team with that. Yeah, sure. So, um, I have my dashboard set up. I'm a little OCD type. Um, I do things that consultants will tell you not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I stay awake at night and I look at numbers and things like that, or I'll wake up extremely early in the morning, three thirty, four o'clock in the morning, turn on my computer when it's nice and quiet. And I go through it the way my dashboards are set up and the way the reports that I get at, I can look at the company as a whole, but I can break down by account manager. I can see what their close ratio is. I can see how many proposals they sent out. I can see what they've won, what they haven't won, why they haven't won it. We'll make notes in there. And if I see a trend, I will, I'll go out and do some leadership and say, okay, well here, let's look at this. You're overpricing stuff. You're, you're trying to sell a client that, has a $3,000 budget, you're in here at $10,000. They just want a small enhancement. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and I try to steal them out. Well, because I had an account manager that was trying to hit a home run on every job. He's trying to upsell and just upsell, upsell. And his close ratio wasn't good. And then I had another account manager who just wasn't putting enough proposals out. You know, he put 20 proposals out and he'd win half of them. Well, you're not hitting your sales goal, so why not put 40 proposals out if you're only going to win half? And I try mm-hmm. to train on that, you know, that's a leadership thing that comes from me and my ops manager. We, we train on that weekly. We talk about that in our ops meeting every week. Yeah. I really like that too, though, because if you didn't have that information, you're, you're just sitting there going, well, why aren't the numbers where they need to be? Like you're, you're going to that's them right. and you're going to them and going like, Hey, what's going on? And you could have a guy that's busting his tail, getting to a ton of jobs or, or, or bidding on a ton of jobs, but he's just trying to do too much at each job. That's one set of problems. Right. Like that's one problem, but that's a very different problem than a guy that has a higher close rate, but is only going to 20, like offering 20 jobs at a month. It's, and, and you can actually provide them the solution based off of the information you, you have. That's cool. So that's right. It's all about measuring. You know, I've always said this from, from day one, if you put clean data in your books, you're going to get clean data out. You've got to track everything. Um, a mentor that I've listened to for years and years and years kept beating that in my head. And I finally get it. Takes me a little while to pick up on it, but yes, I finally got it, Ty, and I um I understand it, and it makes it makes running a you know a company a lot easier when you know those mm-hmm. numbers, those metrics. Yep. Cool. You mentioned like some of the scenarios with your account managers where maybe it's guys weren't bidding enough jobs, or maybe they were just trying to hit home runs. What do you feel like when you're coaching up your sales team or your account managers? What are like kind of the most common threads of mistakes that you see those types of guys make or, or girls and how, how do you kind of coach them through those? Yeah. So one common mistake that I see a lot is here we are pushing our account managers, sell enhancements, sell enhancements, sell enhancements. What we've got to remember the way I run my, you know, our company is these guys are also maintaining and managing these commercial maintenance properties. So how mm-hmm. do you expect them to maintain a commercial property and do a good job at it and sell enhancements? So that's why we pay a profit sharing on the enhancements that they sell so they can figure out how to do that. And I give them the leadership on that. If you're on the property already and you're doing a walkthrough, grab that client, do that walkthrough with that client, get face to face with them. Now, day and age, people want to shoot an email or a text message. That is great. But I'm still in the old school. They want to see your face. They want to see that truck drive onto that property. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been a, a common thread that I've seen that the guys, they really – you know, they're making their salary, but they really want that profit sharing this month. So they're going to do more enhancements. 
And then you look at the quality on the jobs and you're like, oh, the quality's slipping because you've been selling enhancements. That was a trend for ours for a while. Mm-hmm. That has been that has recently been stopped because now um, they get a profit off of the maintenance that they retain. And our retention rate on our lawn maintenance has gone way up because of it. Cool. Um, we were losing some accounts because they were looking bad. Um, and I tell the guys, it's a lot cheaper to go fix that account. If it's a four-foot weed, go pull that thing and don't ever have a four-foot weed again. Um, you know, it's a lot cheaper to keep an account. It's a lot harder to get it back. So For do sure. what's right. Yeah, I like that point a lot. Talk to me through, you mentioned, you know, listening to mentors and it's this probably isn't like what they would suggest you doing. And and we've talked a few times over the last couple of weeks and it's very clear to me that you're someone who likes likes to bust it and, and you like to work and you you care and you want your business to be successful. Talk to me through what it looks like for you to have balance in in work and in life. And what are some of the ways you think about it? And maybe what are some of the things that are hardest for you about about creating that balance? Yeah, so I have a good work-life balance. Um, I feel like I have a, a good program set up for account managers, office staff, team members, team leaders here as well, because the good, bad, and ugly from working for another company, I learned a lot um, that people want time off. They want to be with their family. I have a family. Um, I start my, my average day. I get to the office roughly between 6 and 6.30 a.m. every morning. Um, routine. I get in routines and I stay in them. Um, I don't, I stay in my lane. I do things like that. If it's four thirty, five o'clock, I'm going home, whether my work is done or not, because I know that I have a family waiting on me. I have four children. Um, I, I, I want to get home. I want to get home and see my family. I want to get to dinner. I try to turn that cell phone completely off. Um, so I can spend that time with my family. Um, if my kids have a program at school or a sporting event, take the time off and go because I do it because I don't want to miss that. I mm. encourage my team to do that as well. Um, just give me a heads up, tell me what's going on and go, especially if you're on our management team, they know, they know the deal because I don't want anybody getting burnt out. Um, so I'm good with my work-life balance, really good with that. That, you know, early on in my career, I wasn't, I'd work seven days a week. I didn't take any time for myself. There would be weeks where I'm like, why am I doing this? You know, plenty of weeks mm-hmm. like that. Why am I doing this? Well, now I try to work Monday through Friday. Um, so encourage my team. Let's get it done Monday through Friday, guys. Let's enjoy our weekends. Um, let's enjoy our families. We talk about family a lot here. Um, we're a family-owned and operated company. Uh, I think that's huge as well. Um, you see a lot of a lot of owners, a lot of leaders that they don't go to their company every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a hands-on. I'm a hands-on leader. You know, a career builder. That's what I do. That's really so. cool. I also like the point of how you work with your management team about them being present at their kids' events and their things. It reminds me of, I think it was like last year, the Tampa Bay um, Buccaneers. Their coach said, any if he found out that any player missed like one of their kids events, they were going to get cut. <laughs> he was like, yeah, it's like, you got to prioritize that type of stuff. Cause you really only get that, that window to be able to go and do it. Um, I really like that. Right. I'm sure your team appreciates it. Yeah. And I carry that down all the way down to our team members. If a team member needs that day off and they give us, you know, notice or they need a few hours off an account manager will pick them up from wherever they're at. They're at a school. We'll pick them up from that school. We'll take them to the, we'll take them to mm-hmm. their team. Um, we're big on that. If a kid is playing uh, a sport, no matter who they are, management, team member, it doesn't matter. If they've been hired here for two days, they bring me a piece of paper, 
we'll pay for their kid to play that sport. We'll say here, here's uh, we'll, we'll pay for the fee because I feel like that's what's lacking in the world today. I really do. Parents need to be involved with their children. They need to teach them. You know, it, it's it's huge to me. Yeah, and those are you talk about. It's it's a lot cheaper. It's a lot easier to keep a customer. It's a lot easier to keep an employee too than hire a new one. Yes, and it is. That those little things of being allowing just your team to like be able to enjoy those moments of life that are there to enjoy. That's got to pay dividends for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to, as we kind of begin to go on the back half of the show or the back portion of the show, I, I would love for, to hear about kind of what, what are your goals for Martin and landscape? Like, where do you, like, where do you see the business going and like, what do you want to see, um, happen over the next year, five years with your business? Um, and how are you thinking about growth around what you, you all are doing? Sure. Um, that's a great question. And uh, we've actually been working on this a lot lately. So right now we have two branches, one service in Georgia, one service in here, Port Royal, South Carolina, Beaufort, Hilton Head area. Um, we would like to have another branch in Charleston, South Carolina. We'd like to have three branches total um, in the next five years is all I'm saying. Next five years. I can't, can't look too far past that. Um, we would like for each branch to do anywhere from five to $7 million a year. Um, we want to create opportunities for our team. So these people that we have, um, you know, team members we have inside the company, we want to move them up. We want them to to do more. We want them to learn more. We want them to feel more like this is a, you know, big deal. So we'd like to do that. That's one big goal. Um, another goal is we'd like to just, you know, overall create a even better place to work, you know, day in, day out. We try different things day in, day out. We want to be a better place. We're, we think we're good now. Uh, we think we're better than the competitors for sure. We want to be even better than the competitors. I want people knocking my door down saying, hey, we want to work for you. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got, we're very fortunate. We have a very good core group of men and women right now. Great teams going out right now. We want to be even better. We want people knocking that door down. So that's a big goal of mine. I you love know, going that. forward. Yeah, I love that. And I, I like the idea too of how you're thinking about going into a new service area or a new branch as not only is it an opportunity to grow your reach as a company um, and, and your ability to sell more work, but it's also a way to, you can sell that to your team and be like, look, like in three years, we're going to have this location um, and we want internal team members to be able to step up and go there and lead that location. Here's what you can do to put yourself in a position to have that opportunity. And especially in a younger generation, that's really, they would take less pay to start if they knew there was a path to grow in a company. It's, it's just, so, it's what, it's what people, millennials and below, that's what they want in a job. It's it just so important. That's right. That's right, Ty. Uh, I, I've seen that trend a lot. People want to see the next step. They, you know, that's great that you got hired on for this, but they want to see where they're going. You've got to give them that path because if you don't give them that career path, I mean, what's the point of even coming to work here? I'm, I'm going to work here for what, a summer? You don't want that. You want that person that's, that, you know, going to come in here. How do I get to the, to the next level? Whether it's pesticide licensing, whether it's, you know, certified landscape technicians, whatever, what do you want to do with your life? We're going to help yep. you and we're going to create that path. And I, I see that trend happening a lot. And that is another thing that sets us apart is we see the trend. So we offer it. We're like, Hey, what do you want? You know, you want to do this OSHA uh, training class? That's great. Cause you're now our safety manager. 
You know, we've got a spray tech who's moved into safety manager role. Um, yeah, it costs money, but in the same token, it saves you money. You're going to mm-hmm. save money at the end. A lot of people can't see the end product. We can see the end product. That's uh, that's one thing that really sets us apart as well. Yeah, I like that a lot. So I have one last question before you, and then we'll and then we'll wrap it up. I always kind of like to ask this towards the end of sh- the show, and it's a little bit in line with what we just talked about. But what are you most excited about right now? Like, what are you really thinking about your business, and you're like, this is going to be awesome, or I- I'm really looking forward to see how this comes to fruition. Yeah, great, great question, Ty. Um, so I'm a high energy person, if you couldn't tell, um, very high energy, and. I don't like it when a business is stagnant at all. I get bored with it. I don't want to do it anymore. What I'm most excited about is growth, not just growth of the company, growth of the team, growth of the team members. Nothing makes me happier when I get a team member come in this company, get his driver's license because he didn't have one, uh, clean his act up, straighten his life out, come to work every day, uh, read the books, get certified, move him up. Nothing gets me more excited than that. I love seeing other people succeed because I feel like I have done my job as a leader. That just, that fulfills me. That's my, that's my satisfaction. That excites me. Um, is the growth internal and external. I love that. Thank you for sharing that, Wade. And Wade, I really just appreciate the time we spent today. We've covered a ton of great topics, kind of got to hear your you know, perspective on what it looks like to lead in a green industry professional environment. And then also got to talk about how to approach just the numbers behind your business and a ton of other good stuff. I really enjoyed it and um, look forward to seeing that growth that you and your team are going to have over the next couple of years. Yep. Thank you, Ty. I'm glad, uh, glad I got the invite to be on your show. Absolutely. We'll stay in touch. Thanks, Wade. Sounds good. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Green Industry Perspectives presented by Single Ops. If you got some value out of this episode, drop us a five-star review on your favorite streaming platform. And don't forget to become a pro member of the podcast at singleops.com slash podcast. As a pro member, you'll get notified of each new episode, access to exclusive bonus content, and be entered in to win some great prizes. Thanks, and don't forget to tune in next week.